there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right in a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Welcome, everybody, to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. It is a cold one today, but I have a very special guest today. He is actually one of my favorite senators. We were chatting with him a little bit before we started. And uh, one thing that I did not tell him that I'm going to tell him now is that I really appreciate Senator Dan Sullivan. Um, and I'm going to go into that for, for a minute or two. But first, I want to welcome Senator Dan Sullivan to the Must Read Alaska show. Welcome. Hey, John. It's great great to be on the show. You guys at Must Read, you, Suzanne, man, uh, you do such a great job, such a great service to Alaska. I can't thank you enough. I'm the biggest Suzanne Downing fan there is. And so <laughs> she's uh, awesome. Great, great to be. I've known her for a long time. We worked together in the Parnell administration. She's fantastic. So um, hats off to both of you guys. You, you do amazing work for all of us. Well, thank you. I, uh, I wanted to give you and your staff a kudos. Um, about a year ago, my dad, who served in the Vietnam War, um, in the Air Force, he was on a Jolly Green Giant, mm. saving people. You know, picking them out of the out of the woods, and and he didn't have his military records, and it looked like it was going to take him, I don't know, five or six years to get them. He sent a request in. I asked your office to help me, and you all, you know, went above and beyond, and you got my dad his military records in less than a year when it was supposed to take over five years. And so that was a huge deal for him. I think it's those little things that um, are, are just awesome to see somebody like you and your staff doing for folks. So I wanted to thank you. That was a big deal. You know, you probably made a grown man cry that served in the Vietnam war because he hadn't seen those for, you know, since 1970. So, thanks you you know, um, absolutely. Thanks to your dad. And, um, you know, we uh, we got more vets per capita in any state in the country. It's a giant, proud tradition, guys like your father. And I will tell you, all the listeners, everybody watching, you know, anytime you got an issue with the federal government, right, don't fight them alone. Give it to me. Yeah. Give it to my staff. We will go kick in the door and get this done, particularly with the VA. Um, I have taken, literally, no kidding, individual alaskan cases up to the secretary of the va saying Mr. Secretary, <laughs> i love it you gotta give me you gotta you, you you gotta you gotta be kidding me right you're screwing this alaskan here and and what that does it sends a message to the va when my teams work on things they'll be like hey you want my boss to call your boss and then usually <laughs> <laughs> usually that gets stuff done right quickly so we got a great team i got a great team a lot of veterans on my team and so anyone else needs help on any federal agency, VA or otherwise, call us. Do not fight the feds alone. Let us fight them for you. I love it. So let take me way, way back, because I think it's I think it's fun to hear folks' stories of why they first ran for office. Take me back to that day where you thought to yourself, I might throw my name in the hat for U.S. Senator. Tell me what that was like. Well, look, um, it's a it's a really important question, uh, especially in terms of um, 
you know, I'd never run for office, right, before I ran for the Senate. Um, I had been involved in uh, state policy, certainly, as attorney general, uh, which is obviously very involved, in, in, and then the DNR commissioner. Um, those are two important cabinet positions. But as you know, those are um, those are appointed by the governor, confirmed by the legislature. They're not, you don't uh, run for elected office in those positions. And then, you know, obviously I'd been doing military and national security stuff for my whole professional career, Marine Corps and otherwise. But um, it really was uh, a moment when uh, second term of the Obama administration, you might mm -hmm. remember, it's kind of similar to what's going on right now, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the Obama administration cut defense spending by 25%, if you can believe yes. it, 25%, gutting readiness. I mean, I saw it in the Marine Corps. Readiness everywhere was plummeting, cutting back uh, troops. And then, just like uh, his vice president, Obama's vice president, Joe Biden, they unleashed a uh, war on Alaska. And, um, and then the other thing, it was a little bit more of a particular issue, but putting really, really liberal judges on the Ninth Circuit that were also crushing us. And I just looked and said, I thought our uh, senator at the time, and no offense to uh, the previous Democratic senator from Alaska, I thought uh, with regard to Obama, he was weak. He mm. was weak. And on those issues, in particular, military, national um, security, uh, resource development in Alaska and the judiciary and um, so I sat down with my wife and daughters. This is obviously really, <laughs> really, really important. You can't do this kind of stuff without getting the team on board. And for everybody who knows my wife, Julie, she's amazing, beautiful, smart, but also really savvy. And, you know, you got to make that a team decision, which we did. My three wonderful daughters as well. And then just said, look, man, um, this is hurting our country. This is hurting our state. And the feds are really screwing it up. And I don't think the senator who's representing us now, that was Mark Begich, um, was fighting back enough against Obama. And so that was the decision. It wasn't some long plan thing. It was something that those are issues I really cared about. You know, I'd been a Ninth Circuit law clerk for Judge Kleinfeld in Fairbanks, a great conservative judge we had on the Ninth Circuit. I uh, still is senior judge. So, um, that was it. But t it was a family team decision. And mm. I would, to anyone contemplate, I would make sure you got uh, full buy in. From Get the, the team involved or else you might be <laughs> making the wrong that choice. way. It can make it, it can make it problematic. And then, you know, we were very honored to have great support. And then it's never easy. I, you know, uh, really good opponents in the Republican primary, good, good guys. And, um, but then beating an incumbent Democrat Senator, that's never easy we are that's hard outspent easy two to one heck 2020 i was outspent almost three to one uh by you know the other guy I beat in 2020 so um but that that was kind of the basis of what we were thinking about that's awesome so you're a senator that i've always appreciated that you're not afraid to speak your mind today you sent a letter to president biden along with some of your colleagues about something that President Biden said, which is like, we're not going to do any more LNG permits. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about what he said and what this means for Alaska. Well, John, it's more of the same, right? Um, this administration, 
I mean, I look, I just told you, I ran for the Senate because of Obama's war on Alaska. Obama, Biden makes uh, Obama look not so bad in terms of what they did to Alaska. I, I, um, I literally carry this chart around. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, so I can see that. Um, it's actually 56 executive orders and executive actions that the administration has taken singularly, solely against Alaska. 56. Now, a year ago when we were pressing President Biden in the Oval Office on the Willow decision, President Trump approved Willow, looked like Biden was going to not approve it. Uh, the first thing I did, I was sitting right next to him. I handed that to him. I handed this to him. Back then it was 46 executive orders. Now it's 56. And I said, Mr. President, respectfully, sir, I know I'm in the Oval Office, but this is outrageous. This is wrong. The war on Alaska that your administration has unleashed. I said, if there was a Republican administration and two years into it, that administration had issued 56 executive orders against little Delaware, you yeah. would be on the Senate floor raising hell every day. And that's what I'm doing. You need a ceasefire on the war on Alaska. I said this directly to him. And I said, and, um, you know, you're hurting us. And this is and that's one of the big ways in which we all came together. Everybody by the whole legislature down in Juneau, all different stakeholder groups. And we got the Willow decision done. The only thing I handed them was a unanimous Resolution passed in June. I said every single elected official in my state supports this Willow decision. You can't screw us on this, sir. So, look, that's Alaska. What this is is this is this administration, um, how they're driven by the far left on every mm -hmm. decision. And this decision you just talked about today is a classic example of this. Why? Because when you export clean burning American LNG to, for example, our allies in Asia or Europe, that is good for the environment. It's good for the environment. It reduces overall emissions. I always carry around this chart, too. I don't know if you've seen this one. This is in the last 20 years, global emissions from the major economies of the world. Look who is the leader in the world on reducing emissions. It's us. Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst. It's China, India by far. Why is it us? Because we had the revolution in the production of natural gas. We use natural gas, which lowers emissions. We export it. So the Biden administration, by cutting off any more LNG exports from America, uh, you know, it's going to increase emissions globally, for sure. Um, it's going to help Russia. We are trying to get our allies off Russian oil and gas in, Euro in Europe and in Asia. American LNG can do that. He's saying, no, go back to Russia, which only helps the Putin war machine. It hurts our workers. It hurts our economy. This is literally, John, it's a lose, lose, lose. The only reason he did it, only reason is because he's beholden to the very far left extremes of the Democratic Party. And, you know, we see that either with this, right? Yep. Getting creamed. Um or the decision that was just made today, as you mentioned. So I joined a letter with several Republican senators saying, Mr. President, what are you doing? Right. This is a this is not a good call. And, um, you know, most people know it. I know people in the Biden administration who know it. And it's just um, again, they're beholden to the far left on so many big policies.
Now we have, I, I'm pretty sure the Alaska LNG project has their permits. Does this, does his stance today affect our project, do you think, or could it, should we be worried? So the answer um, is no, it doesn't impact us. As a matter of fact, before the Biden, before they announced, we heard they were going to do this all last week and this week. I was asked about it by some uh, national reporters. But um, before they made the announcement, the Department of Energy did call my office this morning here in D.C. and said, FYI, this doesn't impact the uh, permits and the export license that the AK LNG project already has. So in some ways, that's good news. But what this does with regard to um, uh it just kind of cools and uh, tempers any other uh, project and any other additional permits that we might need. Now, look, we have almost all the permits that we need from the federal government on the big LNG project. But um, even though this doesn't impact us, which is good, uh, the broader signal that this is sending, not just to the energy sector in America, and by the way, the workers in that sector, but to the world, in our allies and to Putin and Russia is a, it's the wrong signal. Yeah. So often you've talked about Alaska's vital role when it comes to our national defense. Um, why do you think Alaska plays such a vital role? I think you know why, because you've talked about it. I've seen you talk about it on the Senate floor, but I think sometimes just the average person that lives in Alaska either doesn't know or forgets about why Alaska plays such a vital role in our national defense? Well, it's a really important question. And I think um, Alaskans are proud of that role. Uh, like I mentioned, we, we have such a strong veteran community. We have such a strong military community. We have people who support um, our military probably better than any other state in the country. The military feels at home, feels supported in Alaska. And we are facing a really dangerous time right now. Again, I think a lot of this is the Biden administration, the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. You might remember, John, when that happened, I actually made some statements saying, hey, stand by, stand by. The rest of the world's uh, authoritarian regimes are going to see that botched withdrawal as a giant sign of U.S. weakness. And there's going to be a lot of mischief all around the world. Mm. You know, bingo. Three months later, four months later, Putin invades uh, Ukraine. Now you got the Iranians with their proxies, including Hez uh, Hamas and Hezbollah, essentially attacking uh, Israel in a horrendous, brutal attack on October 7th. You got the Houthis, another Iran proxy, essentially shutting down, in many ways, global shipping in the Middle East and in the Suez Canal. And of course, China, right? The most aggressive of all is pressuring Taiwan, pressuring other countries, India, Australia. So that has been unleashed, in my view, all of this very dangerous world by the weakness of the Biden administration. By the way, he puts forward budgets, the president, three years in a row to dramatically cut uh, our military. Right now, this current Biden budget shrinks the army, shrinks the Navy, shrinks the Marine Corps. You think Putin and Xi Jinping are impressed by that? They're not. So, um, but Alaska, and again, I've talked to the administration about this. I've talked to the president about this. We play such a critical role in our na nation's defense. I like to say 
we constitute three pillars of America's military might. We're the corner of missile defense mm. for the whole country. So all the ground-based missile interceptors, all the radar systems that would shoot down missiles coming in from Iran, coming in from North Korea, they're all based in Alaska. So whether it's Miami, New York City, Chicago, we are protecting all of them. That's our state. That's our military. We're the hub of air combat power. We have over 100 fifth-generation fighters. Those are stealth supersonic fighters, F-22s, F-35s, stationed in Alaska. No place on the planet Earth has that many 100 fifth-gen <laughs> fighters stationed in one place. And we are the uh, expeditionary platform for really great um, ground-based units like the 11th Airborne Division that's been stood up now. That's the, you know, now the Army has two airborne divisions, 82nd in Georgia, and um, I think they're in Georgia. Yeah, and uh, 11th Airborne Division in Alaska. So those are the three pillars. And what we were, and what I've worked really hard on is um, convincing members of Congress and different administrations that um, were so strategic. Billy Mitchell, the Air Force, uh, father of the U.S. Air Force, in a hearing in the 1930s and on the Armed Services Committee, on which I sit, he said Alaska is the most strategic place in the world. Wow. Whoever owns it, whoever controls it, can control North America, um, Asia, because in Alaska, you can get anywhere in the Northern Hemisphere from six to seven hours and, uh, you know, with our strategic airlift. So, those are the reasons, and we have worked hard to build up our military. We've had billions of dollars of military construction, building up our forces. Now, the fourth pillar, I like to say, is we need to be the, the logistical hub for Arctic operations, to have icebreakers up in Alaska, to have the Navy. I've been trying like crazy to get the U.S. Marine Corps to do rotational deployments in Alaska. We're, we're, we may, we're making good progress on a deep water port in Nome, a strategic mm -hmm. port that can handle Navy ships and icebreakers. So we got a lot more to do. But when we when we do this, by the way, it's good for the economy, right? When you have billions of dollars of military construction building up our forces here, those are good jobs as well. But super duper strategic for America. And, um, you know, the Pentagon's been slow to recognize this. You know, um, one of my first hearings as a new senator, I held up the Obama administration's um, Arctic strategy with the Obama Secretary of Defense, Ash Carter. And I slammed it on the dais. I said, this thing is a joke. It's a joke. It's 13 pages, about eight are, are pictures. You talk about climate change six or seven times. You never even <laughs> mention Russia as like a threat. So we have had to re reorient Pentagon thinking. It's not always easy. But we're making progress, John, but we got a long way to go. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine a couple of days ago, and we joked that there's too many people running this country that haven't been into a fist fight. One of the things that makes <laughs> you unique is that you served in the Marine Corps and as a senator, you are trained in the battlefield. And so talk to me about that perspective. It's very unique. I think you're the only person in the Senate that's active in the in the armed services while serving. I think there's a number of folks in the house, but tell me about that unique perspective and how that's helped you out throughout the last several years. 
Well, I will tell you this. I, um, you know, it's the honor of a lifetime to serve as a U.S. Marine. Um, you know, I've, I'm an infantry officer. I'm a reconnaissance officer. So I've commanded infantry Marines, recon Marines, anti-terrorism Marines. For the Marines listening, Anglico, I commanded six Anglico. That's a uh, that's uh, kind of an elite airborne um, unit in the Marine Corps that does supporting arms fire for foreign armies and uh, uh, special forces in the U.S. Army. Um, so it has. It's been great. I will tell you, I guess I'm breaking a little bit of news. It's a little bit bittersweet for me here. Um, uh, I just recently retired as wow, a bird colonel um, after 30 years. Uh, I didn't get selected for brigadier general. Very competitive, right? I love the Marine Corps. A lot of tough Marines. Um, so after 30 years, if you don't get selected to a one-star, you uh, get politely or maybe not even so politely shown the door. <laughs> so uh, I'm literally just retired. Uh, I'm going to have a retirement ceremony back home in, in, in Alaska, which will probably be a lot of fun. A lot of my Marines will be there, maybe a little bit rowdy. Hopefully no fistfights. Um, <laughs> but but to your question, um, look, it's I think it's made a huge difference being the only senator serving in the military. And I'll just give you an example. My last billet, I just finished up. I was the chief of staff on the reserve side on what's called the Individual Mobilization Augmentee Detachment, but the chief of staff for Marine Forces Pacific Command. So that is the Subordinate Command to Indo-PACOM, uh, that's the Marine Subordinate Command that commands two-thirds of the Marine Corps. It commands the 1st Marine Expeditionary Force and the 3rd Marine Expeditionary Force. Those are the two West Coast big Marine joint combined, what they call MAGTAFs in the Marine Corps. The other one's on the East Coast. And so I did about, it was actually a lot of time, about 25 days a year in um out at Marfor Pack. Now it was a little bit of tough duty. Don't don't get sad for me. It was uh, it was at Camp Smith, um, uh, in Hawaii. Nice. So uh, tough duty. But I will tell you this. Um, you know that was dealing with everything the Taiwan Strait war plan. I mean all the uh, challenges in the region. I'm with the war fighting Marines. This is the active duty component that commands this, and um. You know, A, it's just an honor. B, it makes you feel, you know, connected. And you're learning so much, right? I mean, I'm do I'm dealing with, like I said, all these big contingencies all the time. And then when I come back as a senator on the Armed Services Committee and you have a general or admiral who may be trying to blow smoke, you know, at <laughs> senators, like with me, it was not gonna work, right? I'm like, hey, yeah. look, out there, I'm doing this. I know this stuff. So um Look, it's been the honor of a lifetime. I, like I said, it's a little bittersweet for me right now. I'm breaking news here uh, nice. on must read because you guys are so great. But um, yeah, it's been it's been great. And and look, I'll, I'll just say this: you know, for the Alaska Marines, I've been able to command, as I mentioned, a number of them—a recon unit, an anti-terrorism unit. Then I got kind of promoted out of a billet in Alaska. But my Marines that I you know, commanded, learned from, um, uh, they've done such great work in Alaska, right? I mean, they're all over the place. These guys see these young men and 
some aren't so young anymore, but they're just still doing stuff, giving back to their country, giving back to their community. So uh, maybe that's the most thing I'm, I'm most proud of is just the people I've served with. And, you know, some have paid the ultimate sacrifice. So it uh, puts a lot of things in perspective. So I, I appreciate you asking that. And I, and look, I'm going to miss it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to really miss it. And uh, but it's been a good run. 30 years and, you know, 30 years, a good run. I, I appreciate you breaking the news here and I appreciate your 30 years of, of service there. Um, I think that that, I think that your unique perspective there has added a ton of value, especially to Alaska. Um, wh what kind of, my last question to you this is Senator, what kind of advice would you give to folks? They're going to be listening to this. Some folks will be listening to this, you know, and they're, um, stay at home moms or stay at home dads, or they got two jobs a piece and four kids. And oftentimes I think the normal everyday person in Alaska is wondering how to make a difference. Right. And so what kind of advice would you give to folks who have a busy schedule and soccer moms and hockey dads yeah. and, you know, what, what can they do in their communities to make a difference? Well, look at first, I would just say stay at home moms or stay at home dads are making a difference, right? They're making a huge difference. And, um, you know, I've seen that with my, my wife who's, you know, worked and then raised our three daughters and is now doing what you're talking about, John, giving back to the community. But people who are doing that um, are are giving back to the community, raising strong families. Um, I mean, that's really the cornerstone of community. That's the cornerstone of America, in my view, strong Alaskan families. So uh, that. I think is really important no matter how you look at it. You know, I think um, it's it's everybody's choice, but um, we're in a republic, right? The greatest country in the history of the world, in my view. But getting involved, having um, informed uh, debates, having an informed electorate is really, really important. So in terms of politics, getting out and helping local candidates or yourself. Um, it's never an easy decision. I, I, I talked about it a little bit at the top of the podcast here, but, you know, sitting down with your family and thinking about maybe throwing your hat in the ring yourselves. We always need good people in the arena. You know, I'm reading a three-part biography right now, which is really great about um, Teddy Roosevelt. Incredible, nice. incredible guy. I mean, geez, what a, one of the greatest Republican presidents of all time. But you know, he gave that famous speech in in uh, Paris about the man in the arena, right? And who's in there with blood, sweat, and tears, man or woman, by the way, in the arena. And it's it's kind of nice to read every now and then, you know, when you're getting like the ADN uh, attacks and stuff, <laughs> because he kind of takes a swat at the critics, right? He's like, the critics yeah. don't count, right? It's It's the person who actually gets in the arena, is bloodied, fails, right? Mm gets up, fails again, because, you know, um, there's no, uh, I don't, I don't want to butcher the, I don't want to butcher the lines, but at the very end, he talks about, hey, even if you fail while being, while, while daring greatly, you're in a much better place than the cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat, right? Amen to that. Who, who don't get into that. So, um, so I would encourage everybody to do that. You know, we got we we got a really important election coming up 
in November. Uh, like I said, uh, this is just crushing us, right? I yep. mean, we need to we need to uh, we need to get rid of Joe Biden, and uh, you know, President <laughs> Trump or former President Trump. Um, I think the one thing I've been saying is hopefully this election is going to be President Trump talking about his record when he was president. And Biden is talking about his record when he was president. If that's the case, President Trump should win easy, right? Because the records are so obviously different. And during the Trump administration, especially for Alaska, things were so much better. But um, yeah, back to your question. I think it's going to be really important for everybody to the extent they can, taking mm -hmm. care of your families, working hard in your jobs. But if there's a time left in the day to... Uh, um, get involved. It's, it's, it's the essence of a democracy. And like I said, we got the greatest Republic in the history of the world. We, we just got to be able to keep it. Nice. So I really appreciate your time, Senator. And for breaking some of that news here, I must read Alaska. Do you have any last minute thoughts here before we head out? Uh, 30 minutes has gone by in a flash. No, I would just say again, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll end where I, uh, uh, where I started, you guys do a great job. You and Suzanne, you know, I do think, and this is a message I've been, I've been, um, uh, emphasizing when I'm at home, despite these challenges, right. And again, you can see, I'm a little bit obsessed with this because I fight it every day, despite these challenges, there's some things that are happening in our great state that, um, are really important and I think positive. You see the Willow Project, like I said, that's massive. That's 2,500 jobs. That's about close to a $10 billion investment by ConocoPhillips. Matt, peak production, that'll be close to 200,000 barrels a day. And we're not just talking about that, that is being built. The Pitka Project is something not as big, but something still really big. You may have seen DNR um, recently put out you know, some estimates for where we're going to be on production. They put optimistic um, uh, forecasts close to a million barrels a day within wow. the next five years. I, when I was DNR commissioner, you might remember, John, we put out a very ambitious, detailed um, uh, strategic plan to hit a million barrels a day. And of course, the far left laughed and said, oh, we'll be out of oil by then. Baloney, right? We have so much going on. So that's exciting. The military buildups um, continuing. Our uh, aviation sector and our tourism sector have bounced back uh, from COVID. Uh, we, we have infrastructure dollars on broadband and roads and bridges that are coming, which this state needs. I always say we're mm -hmm. resource rich, infrastructure poor. We have less road miles in Connecticut, and we're 120 times bigger than that little state. So there's a lot that's happening right now despite the challenges with Biden that um, I think are happening because Alaskans are working together to make them happen. So there's some there's some good news things that are happening now, too. I think you're going to see a lot of jobs coming to our state and um, big challenges. No doubt the border's a total disaster. It's wide open. Inflation is hurting working families. But we keep working together as Alaskans. I, I think uh, we got a bright future. Awesome. Well, Senator, I really appreciate you joining us. For folks that listen, watch, read Must Read Alaska, thank you so much. If you want to help keep the lights on here at Must Read, Must read Alaska, just go to mustreadalaska.com. On the right-hand side, there's a little donate button. If you want to help sponsor the Must Read Alaska show, just email me, John, J-O-H-N, at mustreadalaska.com. 
Thank you so much for joining us, Senator. Until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska. Thanks.